Today, we are starting a new series that we are calling Difference Maker. And the reason that we're calling it Difference Maker is that I don't know if you notice it or not, but you and I, we live in a world that needs somebody, something to make a difference. Is that right? And, and I think the reason that we need somebody to make a difference is that, and, and look, we all know this, and that is this, that the world is cray-cray. <laughs> Am I the only one noticing this? Like, co- culture, politics, economy, news, like, it goes on and on and on. Now, none of us are really surprised by this, right? But I just want to stop and realize that you and I live in a world that feels crazy, And I think one of the reasons is that we are living in a season of unprecedented change. Like change is happening in a rate that it never has happened before. And that automatically creates a lot of of turmoil. There's a study that said uh, human knowledge doubles. In 1900, it was every 100 years. By 1945, it was doubling every 25 years. By 1982, it it was doubling every year. And guess what? Now... It doubles every 12 hours. Like, try to wrap your mind around that kind of change in the amount of change that we have. I mean, now we have artificial intelligence, right? Now you can ask AI anything. But how, how many of you ever remember these things? Yeah, like all human knowledge was on the shelf, right? And people came to your house to sell it to you. And, and, and that wasn't enough because every time a new year came, you had to buy extra encyclopedias for that particular year, right? It was like never ended. They would sell you updates every year. It went on and on. How many of your parents are, still have the encyclopedia on the family shelf? Yeah, okay, so here's a question. How many of you still have an encyclopedia on the shelf? Yeah. And of course, now we have all that information just instantly. But uh, how many of you remember this? Tapes, right? You had to fast forward and rewind to find, find your favorite song. It's amazing, like even how fast that industry has changed with Spotify and all these different ways that you can stream music. How many of you remember this place? The video store, right? Now you can stream it, you know, you can watch movies on your phone even now. But a lot of us, we remember before the internet, before mobile phones, you know, back in the prehistoric times, having to actually go to the video store, right? They, they had this big box, for those of you who don't know, that you sat on top or underneath a TV, and then you had these big tapes. And if you wanted to watch a movie, you either had to go to the movie theater, or you could go to a store like this, and you had to walk through the aisles and find the movie that you wanted, and then they would rent you a cassette tape and, um, or for like one or two days, and then you had to bring it back, or you had to pay the fine, Right, I remember the first movie we ever rented. We uh, we actually had to rent the VCR too, right? The machine that they played the tape on. It was too expensive for normal people to have those back in the beginning. And now you watch a movie anytime you want on your TV, on your tablet, on your mobile device. So much change, and that change automatically creates turmoil. We're living in a time of unprecedented change. Uh, Peter Vail coined this phrase. He was a futurist back in the 90s. And he said this. He said that there was a time that would be coming that there would be such rapid change. This is what he said. He said there would be a generation that lives in permanent white water. Anybody feel like that? That describes our world right now. 
It's that situation, this circumstance, that new situation. It's constantly happening all the time, nonstop. We live in a world of permanent whitewater. Now, he defined whitewater as a churning, changing landscape of challenges that come relentlessly and without reprieve. Man, that's a great way to summarize what we go through right now. So you ask a question, why do we feel the way we feel? Well, that's why. And I want to recognize that it is so easy, to, because of this, to be full of fear and confusion and doubt about, about a world that's just coming at us nonstop. It's a churning, it's a changing landscape that comes relentlessly. This is how he described it in 1990. But I believe it's where we're living right now. He went on to say that these challenges will arrive as surprises. They will frequently have new components and character. They don't fit neatly into any, any category that we could ever imagine to possess. They take up enormous amounts of time and thought. And then he says this. Our challenges are often going to be so weird and bizarre that they would be amusing if they weren't so dangerous. And that would be amusing if that wasn't so true. That's the world that we're living in. That's the permanent whitewater that we're living in. It's the permanent whitewater that our families go through every single day. And so God has called us and give us, given us a vision here at your church to actually help us build strong families in the midst of this. See, our vision is to build strong families, but our mission is to actually make disciple makers. So our vision to build strong families, but our mission is even greater than that. It's to make disciple makers, introduce people to Jesus so that they can introduce others to Jesus. And we do that by creating this atmosphere so that people can grow naturally or what we call organic spiritual growth and we do that through three key strategies in your church that really help people to belong believe and become so we're helping people find out where they belong and we're doing that by with authentic connections with people and that's just within the ministry that we have we want an atmosphere where people realize wow i'm loved here I can connect with people. It's this atmosphere of belonging that people are experiencing. And so that is authentic connections. Also, we're organized enough to, that it doesn't seem chaotic, that people can feel they belong. And then we have this idea of leadership empowerment that's there. So volunteer leaders are leading teams where people know that they belong on a team and they know that they're making a difference. And then also... After belong, we help people bring their beliefs in line with the word, and we do that our main ways. Uh, one is uh, relevant meetups. We just finished our summer uh, meetup track, and we're getting ready to launch another track 13 weeks in the fall. And we want to make sure that these small groups are relative or relevant to the dreams and the aspirations and, and even to overcoming some of the fears that we have. And in addition to that, this is actually a great way to actually meet people and have those those uh, authentic connections. And then we have inspiring services. That's where you're at now that really challenge us to believe about ourselves what God's word says about us. And then the third way that we try to help you believe, bring your beliefs in line with the word is to inspire you to have a personal spiritual growth where you find your own faith, your own personal worship, your own personal prayer, your own personal Bible reading with the one-year Bible, and then also being able to share your faith we want you to be able to do that on a personal level. That's our heart's desire. And then after that, it's so important that we become the disciple that God made us to be. 
And we hate people do that in three ways. First of all is by providing gift-based ministry. It's where you can discover how God made you. We're not just plugging you into a need, but we're helping you discover your purpose and then giving you opportunities to make a difference in the lives of other people with your giftings. And that all happens through the growth track. And then uh, we also, we want to reach our community through need-based evangelism. It's not enough just to tell them what we know. Jesus saves. It, we have to tell them how much we care. And that's by helping meet needs first through the Raleigh Dream Center or the things like the prison ministry or, or, or our mission trips. And so that helps so that we can evangelize people. And then we encourage a joyful generosity because you want to have enough not only to just pay your bills, but you want to have enough to bless other people. That's joyous. When you get to bless somebody, you got enough to bless somebody else. And guys, here's the thing. This is working. What God has led us to do is working because people are coming. They're coming in droves. And I, I think it's because we have a clear vision that's from God and we're sticking to it. Our services are filling up. Our meetups are filling up. I want you to see something really quick. This is our auditorium just in this room. Our head counts from last year is the light purple, and the dark purple is this year. Just in one year, there's a difference of 100 people in one year. That's 25% growth in one year. But just since the beginning of the year, we've had 573 newcomers come through these doors. You all are bringing people in droves. They're hearing about us. They're here. Yeah. Now, that's just the people that told us that they were here, right? You should tell us that you're here, but just to be honest, if I go to a church, I'm not telling you I'm there. These are the people that told us that they're here. And then decisions, just the people that told us that they made decisions was 76 people that gave their lives to Christ just since the beginning of the year. It's awesome. 26 people baptized, that's not even counting this morning. But these are not just numbers to us. These are representation of what God is doing in your church. We count people because people count. People matter, right? You count that matter. If you have three kids, you don't have somewhere around between two and seven kids. You know you have three kids because they matter. So there have been some, we're growing. There's people that are here. And the, and the great news is that people love the atmosphere that we have created and the spirit of God that is here in this family church. And so here's one example of somebody who has been impacted uh, by what you have built here. Let's go ahead and take a look at this. As a child, I um, I enjoyed being a Catholic. I took great pride in it. Then when I had children, the, the first three, you know, they went to religious instruction every week. And then when I had my last two, we, um, we actually moved to North Carolina and we started to do religious instruction. But here, I noticed there were some differences. So when it came to them getting their communion, I had to pick godparents that were Catholic. And being down here, I didn't know anyone who was Catholic. So um, I asked them if I could actually pick people that I would trust and, you know, would teach them about God, but not Catholic. And they said, absolutely not. And that kind of turned me off. And then I actually stopped going to church because I was angry. My oldest son 
met someone on the worship team, Noah, and he was going consistently every Sunday. And then he would come to my house and, and talk about what Pastor Micah had talked about and just the whole feeling and vibe of Living Word. So we got up one Sunday morning, got dressed, came um, at that that particular service, Pastor Micah was on vacation. So his dad, Pastor Steve, was talking about salt and life. And it was an experience that I have never had before. It was so relatable. And that was something I never experienced, like real day stuff and how it related to the Bible. It, it was such a powerful sermon. I was like, I have to come back. I, I have to get more. I have to understand more. From October to December, you know, I just really felt like I belonged. Then I went for the 21 days of prayer. I decided to give my life to the Lord, and I was baptized in January. The nice thing is three out of the five have... Now I actually pray for them, which if you had told me that two years ago, I would have said, it's never gonna happen. The biggest part that Living Word has um, helped me is, the, like I said, the loving, definitely the sermons have helped because it, it truly touches on all aspects of my life. Every time we do a series, everything is totally relatable to me. There, there has not been one series where I was like, yeah, that didn't apply to me or that didn't apply to anything in my life. So I consistently want to know what other aspects of my life do I need to get help with. Isn't that amazing? And here's the thing is that there's story after story just like that. And look, I know that you guys don't need a commercial for, for your church. You're already here. I understand that. And this is all amazing. However, we have an issue where we have a lot of people that are coming. And I think that they're coming uh, because we're doing our best to create the atmosphere so that people can belong, they can believe, and they can become who God made them to be. But also, let me just say this. I think they're coming because... Remember, the world is crazy, right? We're all just looking for some kind of stability. And what better stability than the solid rock, right? That's Jesus and his house. And when people find a place where they feel like that, yes, they can belong here and that it's friendly and welcoming, which, you know, and that, that's thanks to all of you. And then they find a place that they feel like they can have the Bible taught in a way that is actually applicable to their everyday life. And their students are getting taught and their children are getting taught the same way. I think that's why they're coming. And there's also people that are coming with hurts and needs. Some of them are just life hurts. Some of it's church hurt. Some of it, they're just hurting because they're missing Jesus. But there's so much helplessness in the world that we live in today. There are so many people that feel helpless and the world is just closing in on them and harassing them at every turn. And there's an actual story in the Bible where Jesus ran upon some people that were like this. In fact, it says that he was traveling and he was teaching. And then it says he looked out among the crowds. And when he saw the crowds, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. My friends, 
We have people in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, and they are harassed and helpless in their lives as well. They've got financial challenges where people are struggling with debt and unemployment and inadequate income, all of these things. They've got health issues and you know, physical and mental and uh, chronic illnesses, disabilities, and they need to know that, they, that there is a healing God. There's relationship problems and difficulties in maintaining relationship, uh, relationships inside and outside the family. They're dealing with loss and grief. They're coping with loss of a loved one or they're even maybe grieving a job or maybe a significant change in their life. It could be completely overwhelming and challenging. The stress, even in the education and career challenges that our young people have to make, you know, there's substance abuse, discrimination, prejudice, you know, all these things, you know, and here's, here's a huge one. People are just trying to find out what's my purpose is there a purpose in my life? Is there a reason I'm here? And I think that they need what God is doing here. They need what God is doing through you in your church. They need what God is doing through your giftings and your skills that he gave you and your love because they feel helpless in this crazy world that we all live in. And look, this is the same condition that Jesus found these people in as he was doing ministry as well. And so Jesus was moved with compassion when he sees them in their distress. And let me tell you, he still sees them. He sees them in their stress and in their anxiety. He sees us, you know, when we're, our marriages are falling apart and our children, you know, possibly scarred by some of the decisions that we made or the things that have happened to them. He sees them today when students are rebelling and trying to find themselves. He still sees the pain of fathers trying to measure up and mothers trying to be enough. Young people just trying to find their way and their true identity. He saw them and he had compassion on them. And then what he does is so curious to me. What he does next. Because I would think that Jesus, the son of God, he would see all those people. And if he had compassion on them, he would just fix everything. Right? He's the miracle worker after all. He's the one from heaven. He's the shepherd. Right? And if they're harassed and helpless because they got no shepherd, well, that's an easy fix. It's Jesus, the ultimate shepherd. But what he does instead is absolutely amazing to me. It's shocking. And actually, it can be a little scary to some of us. Because instead of just fixing everybody's problems, he turns to his disciples. Now, these guys he turns to, these are the people that had joined Jesus' team, right? It wasn't enough for them to just come and listen to him talk like everybody else, you know, just to watch the things that he would do among the people, the miracles and stuff. They wanted to be part of his story. They wanted to be involved. These were the disciples. And so Jesus turns to these guys who have already joined his team, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He had lots of opportunity for ministry, just like us. But the, his workers were few. And that's similar to what we're dealing with right now. You see, our harvest it's plentiful. People are coming in droves. The seats are filling up. The parking lot's filling up. We, we've even had moments where we've had to turn away children from classrooms because the workers are few. 
The harvest is plentiful. People have seen what you've created here, and more people want to come. And our heart is to share with them. Is that right? To make room for them. And this is where the good news comes in. Because Jesus, he saw those people in his community that felt like they had no hope. Matthew described them as harassed and hopeless. But in the subtext of Jesus, as he talks to his disciples and tells them this, I want to share something with you that's in the subtext of this, this that Jesus is saying. And that is this. We can make a difference. That's why he said that to them. Let me say that again. You and I, we can make a difference in this crazy, crazy world that we all live in. We can make a difference in the lives of people that are struggling. You might say like, well, Micah, I need a difference in my life. I feel harassed and helpless. And to those of us that feel that way, let me lean in for you. It's even better than you think. Because there's a spiritual law that says you reap what you sow. So, well, how am I going to help somebody else when I feel the same way? You reap what you sow. And this is the part of the good news that Jesus turned to his disciples. And if you read the disciples, these guys were pretty harassed and helpless themselves. And he turns to them and he says, look, we can make a difference. And he says this, this, this sentence that's actually loaded with intention, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And the subtext means he's alluding to the fact that they can make a difference. And here's the amazing thing, is that God doesn't just want you to watch the story. God wants you to actually be part of the story. Jesus wanted his disciples, and he wanted us, and he wants us to be part of the story. Back to the story. Jesus says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's the issue. That's the bottleneck for Jesus. And he could have looked at all the workers he had, all his disciples, they were already in. They were already involved. He could have looked at them and just said, okay, you guys are going to have to work double time. We got a lot of harvest here, and there's not enough people to bring it in, so I need you all to pick up the slack. But he didn't do that. He didn't just fix it himself. And he didn't just abuse the people that were already with him and serving with him. What he did instead is he asked his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to pray. He asked them to pray to send out workers into the harvest field. And we share the same issue that Jesus had for us. The harvest is plentiful. There's more people that want to come. But we have a problem Look around. We're full. But when school comes, and usually summer is the low, it, it, we have a dip in the attendance. When school comes back, then we've already got an issue where, you know, the, the seats are full, the parking lot's full, or getting full, the children's ministries are full. And so here's how we're going to do that. We want to make room for more people. And here's how we're going to do that is we want to go to three services on September 10th, the weekend after Labor Day. And our service times, our new service times are going to change to 8 a.m., 9.45, and 11.30.
All right? So that's 8 a.m. will be the first service. Next, second service is 945, and 1130 will be our third service. And so we want to make room for those in our community that need this type of ministry that we have that you're experiencing. We want to build strong families. We want to, these are people that want to build strong families. They want to serve God. They want to grow close to him. And they even want to help make a difference in the lives of other people as well. The harvest is plentiful. And look, the only thing standing between us and us being able to open up the doors and share is more workers. What Jesus called more workers, the laborers. We need more laborers for them. Not for you, for them. And going to three services gives us opportunities everywhere for more of us to be part of the story. Just like Jesus' disciples, to join the team. They felt like it's not enough just to come and to receive, but they wanted to be a part of the story that was going on. And we have opportunities for band members and vocal, vocalists and people in the media and, and ushers and greeters and hospitality team who give us coffee. God bless them. I pray extra for them. The parking lot people who are that first smiling face that people see, right? We have opportunities in our children's ministry to be a adventure guides and make sure that children's first impression when they walk in of this church is amazing. That children know this is where I belong too, right? Or in a children's classroom to speak life into a child early on. Opportunities to use your giftings in the legacy team. Opportunities in the security team to make sure that we're safe. All these Sunday morning opportunities, we have tons of them to make a difference in the lives of the people that are on their way. The same way that you, when you came, somebody touched you through a smile at the door, somebody's kind words, just the presence of God in worship or the message or the children's ministry or the youth ministry or, you know, or just the safe environment that you felt, whatever it was. See, there's fulfillment in being part of the story. But for right now, there are crowds of people that want to come and experience what you've experienced already. And in order for them to do that, we need more workers for the harvest. And so for those of you that you're already involved in ministry, just like the disciples were, for those of you that are already part of the story and you're, and you're on a team and in ministry, here's what I want to ask you to do. It's the same thing that Jesus asked his disciples, those who were volunteering on a regular basis in his ministry. Here's what he asked them to do. I want to ask you. I would like for you to help us by praying for more workers. The people are coming. God's adding to the church those that are being saved. And in order to go to three services to make room for them, in order to not just turn them away because, because we're full, we need more laborers for them. And I would like for you to pray with us for more laborers, more workers. Now, some of you might be here and you're like, look, Micah, I came for a sermon. I came for you to inspire me to make a difference in my own life. I came here to experience the presence of God in worship. I came here for my children to get ministry. I came here for the belong and the believe part. I want to come because I feel like I'm comfortable. I belong here. I want to come here because you challenge me and you inspire me to live a better life and, and to know what God thinks about me and, and same for my kids. But I'm not so sure about the whole like that become thing where you're asking me to be a part of the story. 
We all come in with a bib ready to eat, and you should, to receive. But there's also a point where you want to be a part of what's going on. You want to put on an apron as well and help serve. For instance, in my family, we all go to my parents' house or somebody's house once a month. And there's always a birthday in our family, at least one every month. And when we get there, we celebrate. Right? When we get there, we're all bringing food, we're all sharing and helping to serve, and we're helping to prepare, and we're helping to clean up at the end. And so when somebody invites a guest, like a boyfriend or girlfriend, we don't want them to help. We just want them to receive. We want them to relax, have fun, enjoy the food. But if they want to become part of the family, see, at that point, if somebody keeps coming over and they never bring anything, and they never help, they just continue to consume, consume, receive, receive, eat, eat. We all have an impression. It begins to weigh on the rest of the family, right? So here's what we're doing. We're asking for you to add to your bib. You're here. You feel like you belong. You're receiving ministry. But we also want you to become who God called you to be, that you could put on an apron and help contribute to ministry so you can step into who God called you to be. And so today, I want to challenge you to become a worker for the harvest. Step out. Become who God's called you to be by serving others, being, contributing to the family. And you're not just doing it because the preacher asked. I'm talking about the harvest is plentiful. I'm talking about them. And they need us just like you needed us. And so, look, if you're new this week, you just relax, okay? I'm not talking to you. But if you're here and you're saying, yes, this is my church, I would like for you to consider and I would love to offer you an opportunity to be a part of the story of what God is doing here in this family church. To be a part of ministry by volunteering and joining a team so that we can make room and go to three services for the people that are coming. Because you don't want to just observe the story. You want to jump in and be a part of the story. And look, I know our lives are packed full of all the stuff that our life consists of. I understand that. But serving others is part of your spiritual development. You'll get bottlenecked without it. There are people that really need us right now in this crazy, crazy world. And look, if you need more, I need more time, Micah. Okay, if you, you'll reap what you sow. I'm exhausted at the end of the week. I need more energy. I don't, I, I don't have the energy. You'll reap what you sow. It's a spiritual law. Test it out and see. And so if you're here and you're not involved yet, and you're like, okay, I get it. It's time. It's time for me to stop just watching and consuming ministry. It's time for me to be a part of the story and contribute to ministry. And if that's you, your next step is very easy. We made it as, as easy and simple as possible. It's called the growth track. And the growth track, uh, it is actually just to help people find where they belong here in this family church. And there are, really, there are three simple sessions in the growth track. The first is you just find out about the church and about hear Melissa and I's story and get to know us. The second one is you take a gifting assessment, and that just helps you find out what are your God-given gifts and how do I apply that to the, the, God's church. And then the third one is you meet the department heads and the pastors to find out where you fit in ministry on a team. Because remember, we believe in gift-based ministry, so we don't, we don't want to just plug you in wherever there's a need. We want you to be fulfilled by using your giftings.
And usually, those are the first, second, and third Sunday of the month in the evening. Well, for next month in August, uh, for those of you that want to be a part of the story here at Living Word and minister to those not only in your church community, but also in the community that you live in, we're going to be doing a fast growth track, a fast track of the growth track, and we're going to call it the fast growth track. And that is going to be Saturday, August the 5th from 9 to 11, and Wednesday, August 9th from 7 to 9, 9 p.m. Now, we, will not, we won't have our regular Sunday night growth tracks that we normally have uh, in August, but we will have these two, and they're identical. So you come to one or the other, and they both include all three of the sessions that I talked about that we normally have in our monthly growth track. The reason we're doing this is so that we can fast track all of you that want to become part of the story, workers in the harvest, and help us go to three services so we can make room for more people, for more families within our community. And so what you'll do is you'll attend one of these two growth tracks. And uh, now this doesn't mean, just because you att attend doesn't mean you commit or you're obligated. It just come, means you're coming in to find out more information about what it means and what opportunities that there are for you to become who you've called to be and serve others. And so if you come to one of these growth tracks, we're going to feed you. We're going to give you childcare if you need it. And so we need you to register so that we can make sure to take care of you and provide a meal. And if you sign up, please come. We got food for you. We don't want to waste it. So um, there is a barcode on the screen as well as on the QR code on the back of the chair right now. And there is an option there that actually says fast growth track. And you can sign up and register there. One other thing that I would like to ask us all to do, and that's this, make room for the harvest. We're going to have three services on September 10th, and these are the same three service times that we uh, have whenever we have our Easter services and our Christmas services, because we know there's going to be too many people for those, and we need extra room. So these are the service times that we've actually tested at Easter and Christmas. And one of the things that we noticed is that most people go to the full services or the 945 and the 1130 service whenever we do this. So if you're kind of up in the air between, you know, uh, which service you're going to go to, I would like to ask you to consider coming to the 8 a.m. service to make room for the harvest that's coming. Because statistically, most of them are going to choose 945 and 1130. And then also, for those of you that have already become a worker in the harvest and you're already volunteering on the team, thank you so much. For those of you that are volunteering on Sunday morning, I know you're going to have to choose one of these service times for where, where you're going to serve. And I want to encourage you too, if you're up in the air, or even if you would help us out by preferring an 8 a.m. volunteer time, then that would do a lot to really make room for the harvest until we find other volunteers to step into that role at 8 a.m. So, you want to make room? I think, I don't, just, I prayed about it and God said, yes, you should make room. I think we should do it. And, I, and I, here's the thing is that God's heart is for people. This building and this place is a place that we come to, it is a place that we come to belong 
and to change our beliefs. And it, it's also a place that we come to actually become who he's called us to be. And the whole purpose for that is so that we can become disciple makers, that people, we can bring people in, we can introduce them to the one and the true and the loving God that, that they are looking for, whether they know it or not, that they can look, that they're looking for. That no matter how good they try to be in life, they just never seem to be enough. And the reason for that is because there's a God-sized hole in each and every one of our hearts. And our heart, our heart, and I believe that your heart, is to introduce Jesus to as many people as we possibly can. And there are people that are looking for a church. Some of them already know Jesus. Some of them, they're just looking for life. The world is crazy. And they're just looking for life. And they're empty inside, harassed and helpless. And so what I'm asking for you to do, what we're asking for you to do, is to help us reach the harvest. Will you do that? Will you stand with me? I just want to pray a blessing.